Good evening, everyone. Friends, this is a much calmer crowd this morning. Over 300 people were sitting in the church, which is good. That's a good day for Father Mark when over 300 people come uh, to offer worship and praise. So my friends, I will do what I did for them this morning. I'm going to preface my homily with this statement. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants to do it. Whatever, thing, whatever he wants, he just does it. And if you don't like it, too bad. <laughs> because he does what he wants to do. Whatever pleases him, he does. And I'm glad for that. I say that because we're going to hear about a mystery. And we can try and grapple with it, but we will not understand it. One of the better things we do is we can attempt to. But the best thing to do is just God's able to do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. My friends, uh, we begin with um, this solemnity of the Immaculate Conception begins uh, with the Genesis story. So it begins at the beginning, and it talks about how did sin enter into the world. And it's not because of fruit. When I ask someone, say, because of fruit? I'm like, no, not because of fruit. There's nothing wrong with fruit. It was disobedience. God told Adam and Eve, you can have whatever you want, anything you want. You can do whatever you want in this garden, anything and everything except one thing. One thing you shall not do. You shall not go near this, this tree over here. And my friends, just for the record, it's not an apple tree. They didn't have apple trees. <laughs> it would have been a fig tree, if anything, or pomegranate or something, but not an apple. But the fruit doesn't matter. What matters is, he said, you can do anything and everything, anything. I can just, I can picture anything. Just don't touch that tree. Don't eat it. And what did they do? The one thing, the one thing that God said don't do, they decided to do. So they decided to be, be disobedient. One thing. And look what happened to today. And then I joked and I said, and then the blame game started. God says, man, what have you done? Adam, that woman you gave me, she did this. She tricked me. Woman, what have you done? That creature you made tricked me. He tricked me, told me to eat it. And I can just picture God looking at the snake. And what do you have to say for yourself? I simply suggested that they try the fruit. And from that moment on, it's been the blame game since then. It's not my fault. It's my parents' fault that I'm this way. It's not my fault. It's because the government made me this way. It's not my fault. My teachers made me this way. No. Start taking account accept accountability for some of your own actions. And besides that, we have the very grace now of God. And this brings me to the second piece. Our second reading tells us that God decided to put a plan into place. And what is that plan? The plan is Jesus Christ, through him, Jesus Christ, and all things, Jesus Christ. And we, furthermore, Paul says, by all this grace you have been called and adopted, and um, you have this ability now. And the, in the same way that God is going to do something for this young woman named Mary, Paul is indicating in the second reading, and so will God give you grace also to do things. 
to act in accord. And my friends, and then he brings us to our gospel. And my friends, um, church has art that helps us. And one of the things we have is an icon. And because the school children were here, I grabbed the icon and I took it around and I said, look at it, tell me who's in the icon. I said, this will help you to understand what the solemnity we are celebrating is about. And I said, look, 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 who's in there? Take a good look. You get a little break. But look and see. You see two people? Two people are in here. Two people. Two people. Who do you think is in here? There's two people. Mary and her mother. You remember what mom's name and her mother's name is? St. Anne. So it's a picture, a depiction of St. Anne. And which one is St. Anne? Which one do you think is St. Anne? The mom. the mom, the bigger one. So this little one in, icon, in iconography, they represent babies. What is a baby? As a little person. So it looks like a little teeny Mary. That's for you to mean it's a baby. That's just how they do it in iconography. So Mary's a baby. This is her mother. Hmm. And this icon is telling us something about this solemnity. The Immaculate Conception then is about Jesus. Everything's about Jesus, but this solemnity is not about Jesus. In this case, it's about Mary. It's about her birth. How do we refer to Jesus' birth? On Christmas, he is becomes man and enters into the world, what do we call that? Do you know the, what we call that? What do we call that? Oh my goodness, you're going to be a priest one day. You wait and see. The incarnation. So when we refer to the birth of Jesus Christ, the God-man as we refer to him, we refer to it as the incarnation. Mary... Because of who she was going to be carrying in her womb, we refer to it as the Immaculate Conception. Immaculate means without sin, without stain, conception, birth. So this gives us an idea about what God has done for Mary. And of course, the solemnity begins at the beginning because God had to do this because of sin. And my friends, I want... Now, not all of you will be able to see all at once, but all of you are sitting, you can look up, and if you look up, you're going to see icons or paintings. The very first one, for you people in the back, is Abraham. How do you know that that's Abraham? Because in the scriptures, God told them, look up into the sky and see the stars. And try and number them. Your descendants will be more. So here we have this icon of a man looking up. It's Abraham. And the story begins with Abraham. The next one, what do you think, who do you think that might be? This one should be pretty easy. Moses, because he's holding the Ten Commandments. He's the second, one of the major prophets. The first one is Abraham. The second is Moses. The third one, now, is that a, what kind of bird? Is that a parakeet? Doesn't look like a parakeet. It looks like a raven. So can you think about what prophet has... Something to do with a raven. He's a, one of the major prophets. You guys have an idea who that, this one might be? Elijah. Also at the 
Um, Elijah will be mentioned again with Moses. And then finally, Jesus said, Of this no one greater has ever been born of a woman. He's referring to his cousin, and his cousin is John the Baptizer. And there we have John the Baptizer. Uh, he's in the water because he's a baptizer. He's holding his hand in a particular way. You may think he's scolding you, because it looks like he is, but he's not. What was said of him? John was going to prepare the way for the Messiah, and when the Messiah comes, he would point him out. So John's not famously known for having a shell and baptizing people. He was most famously known because he pointed out the Messiah when he came. The progression is to the final event when Jesus Christ would come and correct the damage done in the beginning. So when you're walking in, you see the progression leading up to this moment. And then when you leave, if you look up, you will see the apostles. And when Jesus went back to his father before he ascended, what did he tell his apostles? Go forth and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go, he says, go forth. So when you're turning from your pews to leave, you see the apostles. The old prophets lead you up to the altar. The apostles lead you out. They're up there because they're not on earth anymore. Do you see what we're doing? So we're using the art to try and help you understand. This leads me into what God has done. This solemnity of the Immaculate Conception allows me to discuss with you the basics about Mary and what the church and what scriptures tell us about her and her life. Some of you may already know some of it and some of it may be new to you. Would this be new to you? It's new to you, isn't it? Okay. Don't worry about him right now. <laughs> but it's new for him. So I ask that you open your heart to listen to the story of a woman who was visited by an archangel and told that she would become the mother of the very Son of God. And my friends, in Revelation, it tells that no one can enter into heaven who is stained with sin, and therefore we have this concept of purgatory. Purgatory is not a bad place. Purgatory is a place where we get cleaned up to enter into the tabernacle area, this, the heavenly sanctuary. When we think about that in the same way, if the Son of God is going to enter into our history, we call salvation history, he's going to have to go into a very clean place, isn't he? So, St. Paul says our body becomes the temple of the living God. Mary was going to house the very Son of God for nine months. She carried nine months, a baby. So doesn't it make sense that Mary should be very clean? Right? Meaning without stain of sin, the original sin. And this is what God does to make this happen. A while back, I heard a priest trying to talk to children, and he used this kind of, and I can't remember everything about it. He said, think of it this way. You're walking along, you fall into the puddle, and you get a puddle of mud, and you have to get clean. And the kid's right. He said, what God did for Mary is he prevented her from falling into the puddle. So she remained clean, and the kids got it. And this is the same thing that God is doing with Mary. We call it prevenient grace. 
Mary, we believe, was born without the stain of original sin. And in the church, we call this the Immaculate Conception. In Luke's Gospel, the, the angel, he's an archangel. This is important because there's a whole heavenly host. And Gabriel is an archangel. And his mission is to deliver a message. And he greeted her. And it becomes important about the way he greets this woman. Now, Mary would have been roughly 14 to 16 years old at the time. He greets her with, Hail, full of grace. This is an important statement. It's both what he is calling her, meaning this is her name, and a, it serves as a title, name and title. We know her as Mary, and Luke will go on to tell us Mary was listening, and Mary pondered. But the angel greets her with, Hail, full of grace. My friends, in the Greek, this particular word that is used has a great meaning to it. It means in the Greek, past and future. So that means when Gabriel approaches her, he says, Hail, full of grace. Meaning, you are full of grace. You have been full of grace. And more importantly, Mary would have understood this phrase. that She didn't understand. She doesn't understand why he's using it on her. That's what she, I don't understand. Is what he's, she says, I don't understand. But this becomes crucial. But there's another statement that immediately follows it, and I didn't talk to the people this morning about it. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. This, in particular, in Old Testament, has great meaning. This statement, and it's a version of it, I am with you, the Lord is with you, is used every time God is going to ask a human to do something important. It is found, he uses it with Moses, go and tell that man to let my people go. Well, I can't. Moses, do not be afraid. I will be with you. God says this to the angel, to Joshua, to Gideon, to Samuel, to Solomon, and finally Jesus himself says it to his apostles before he leaves to go see his father. He says, go forth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and behold, I am with you always. So he sends them forth. So now do you see the angel, what he's doing? Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. It has great importance. This is the scripture pieces. And my friends, this hail, full of grace, it is used, uh, the verb that's being used is used one other time only in the Holy Scriptures with Mary and then once again by St. Paul. And by the way, uh, Jesus, uh, God says that to St. Paul too. Uh, and that I think is in Romans where we'll find that. But um, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is speaking to the people. And there, God's grace, he's using the word that's being used on Mary. And it is understood as transformative, transforming their souls and bringing about redemption and forgiveness of sins. That's the only other time it's used outside of Mary, is with Paul talking to the people. So this is how we gather about what is going on. 
So when the angel says, Hail, full of grace, he is announcing to Mary that she has this grace already. She already has it. Another interesting thing about this particular Greek word, again, it describes past and present and continuing into the future. Isn't that bizarre with Greek words? So Mary is hearing that she is already has the life of grace within her, even before the angel has appeared to her. We can know that this title, Full of Grace, is given to her like a title, and it's being used as her name. Notice that the angel does not say, Hail Mary, but addresses her with, Full of Grace. Woman, full of grace. This expresses something profound about her very nature. She is full of grace, and if she is full of grace, that means there is no room for what within her. If she is full of God's grace, then there cannot be sin. See? So in this dogma of the Roman Catholic Church regarding the Immaculate Conception, which is a mystery, it is impossible for you to fully understand it on earth. We learn something about Mary. She is conceived full of grace in her mother's womb, and she remained faithful to that grace of God her entire life. This offers us this biblical support, noting that Mary already had this life of grace within her. So, of course, very smart people back then posed a couple questions. And the natural question is, why would, why would God do this? Why would God do this? And I kind of alluded to it already. If the very Son of God was going to come forth through this woman, it made no sense that she would be covered in sin. What made more sense is that she would be immaculate because that is worthy of the Son of God. The second question is, does this take away from the redemptive work of Jesus Christ? Mary is a creature like us. She was born like us. She's made like us. God, Father, Son, and Spirit are not made. They have been eternal. So Mary thus needs to be saved, right? If Jesus comes to save all creation, then his mother must be included in that. So Mary needs to be saved with us. Listen to me. Mary needs salvation. But she receives this great gift before anyone else. She receives it in anticipation of what her son will do. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Remember, God has existed all, in all time. For God, past, present, and future are all the same. For us, that makes no sense. But God lives outside of that type of linear time. So everything's happening in the present. But so how does Mary get to have the benefit of Jesus of Nazareth when he hasn't been incarnated yet? And he hasn't done this yet. This is the salvific work. We call it prevenient grace. God gives it to Mary in advance. And can God do that? What did I open up with? God can do whatever he wants. And if he wants to do that for Mary, then he can. And my friends, why would God make Mary full of grace? 
It is not just for her. This is where a lot of people make the mistake. Did God do this for Mary because he thought she was really nice? No. Did God do this because he really liked her more than anyone else? No. God did this, gave her this great gift to be the mother of the Son of God for us. This is what the second reading was getting at. It is fitting that if Mary is going to be the mother of the Son of God himself, it would be appropriate that she should be conceived without sin to become that holy temple, the holy vessel, to house the very Son of God. What God did for Mary, he did for you and I. Not just for Mary, for us. And what's even more mind-boggling is that she said yes. She said yes. You can almost picture it. Mary, will you do this for these people? Yes, Lord. I will. Let it be done to me according to your word. And his son would do the same thing. Son, will you do this for the people? Father, let it be done according to your word. Jesus says, Father, this cup can pass by, let it so. Not, if not, your will be done, not mine. See how mom and son are alike like that? So we can see that this doctrine isn't here to emphasize Mary, per se, but rather everything we as Catholics believe about Mary is meant to turn our attention to Jesus so that we can love him more, so that we could understand him more. Mary is immaculately conceived not so much because of who she is in herself, but more because of who she will carry in her womb, for she is carrying the very Son of God himself, the second person of the Holy Trinity. And my friends, God has existed in all time. I'm going to ask you this question. If God gave you the ability to create your own mom, I'm going to let you create your own mom. How will you do that? I'm going to make my mom perfect. I thought she was. <laughs> anyway, my mom, my, my real mom. But I know she was not. But if God said, wouldn't you make, wouldn't you say, I will make my mother perfect. So what did Jesus do? <laughs> he made his mother perfect because he could. <laughs> he could. And you and I would do the same thing. You know you would. The only difference is he can. And he did. He made his mother perfect in all ways. For her own good, for us. And she said, yes, yes, I will do this. Each one of you have, on a different scale, the ability to do the same thing. When God comes to you and asks you, will you do this? Will you do this for my people? Say yes. Yes, Lord. You think, you think Father Mark became a priest because he wanted to be one? No. Father Mark is a priest because Jesus asked me to do this for you. I'm not a priest for myself. That makes no sense. I don't need that. I have a high priest. 
if I can say yes, and believe me, my mom would, if she was alive in here, she would say, my son's a brat. And she would be right. If this one can do it, why can't you? You can. And God gives you grace from the second reading. He tells you how it goes about. You can do the same. You can say yes when, he, when the Lord approaches you. If he wants to send an angel to you to ask you, good. A lot of times he speaks to your heart. Will you do this to help me in the salvation, the continual salvation of the world? Just say yes. Because good things wait for those who say yes to the Lord. So in this Advent season, as I ask you to look for all the times and the ways that the Lord intervenes in your life. Because some of you will say, well, gosh, he did this very special thing. The Lord intervenes in your life all the time. You just need to open your eyes and see that he's doing that. Maybe not at the level of Mary, right? I don't know, maybe. What are the messages, external or internal, in your heart that you receive from God or from one of his angels that calls you on a journey deeper and deeper in relationship with Christ? I pray that your hearts will be open to receive Jesus as as we prepare now for his second coming, whenever that may be. May you be receptive to the transformation he wants to make in you in all times. And I hope from your hearts you will say, Come, Lord Jesus, let it be done according to your will. Amen. So the Immaculate Conception is a reference to Mary. The Incarnation is a reference to Jesus existed in all time, but he entered into our, our human time through the Incarnation, right? The Immaculate Conception was because Mary was so, she was just such a nice lady. No, because she was faithful. God has all kinds of plans. All kinds of plans, dear. All kinds of plans. You say yes. I mean, you already know what he's asking, don't you? She knows what he's asking. Just say yes. Just say yes. Look at when Father Mark said yes. <laughs> okay, sometimes Father Mark doesn't have such good days. <laughs> But I'm on the path of salvation along with all of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone, I thank you for coming and celebrating uh, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. I know it's later in the evening, and many of you will still need dinner. So I thank you for your patience also as I teach, uh, which is longer, uh, but teaching you a dogmatic teaching of the church, of the Roman Catholic Church, that you need to try and grasp and understand, but more talk with others about to be able to explain. So I took longer, and I thank you, but my friends, uh, the Incarnation, mystery. Mecca Conception, mystery. Paschal mystery. The birth, death, rising of Jesus Christ, mystery. Transubstantiation of bread and wine into the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the Eucharist, mystery. But we want to go back to the beginning, the creation of the universe, a mystery to us. Let us just love him. And when we get to heaven, we can ask him for all the answers.